You're listening to the Mom Inspired Show, episode 202 with Shelly Buck. Welcome to the Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I'm super excited to have Shelly on the show today. Um, So I wanted to have Shelly on because I know with COVID going on and just having a pandemic, life has been challenging. And I know it's challenging on different levels for everyone. You know, there are some people that are really, really struggling and it is super difficult. And then there's others that are not, you know, they're not having such a hard time. You know, things might have not changed their lives as much, right? But we all need to recognize that it's challenging to that person. And we are having to grieve and we're having to grieve our old lives, grieve things that we might have had to give up, uh, had to give up for the pandemic because we can't do them. And, um, you know, just from people having to move their weddings and people having babies during COVID and, and funerals happening and people not being able to gather for the funeral, all these things, all these plans, all these dreams that have had to be put on hold and canceled. Um, so I know that we're grieving and just even with school going back and, you know, that not looking the way that we had hoped and, you know, freshmen starting high school and kindergartners starting um, school this year and college students starting their freshman year, things just look completely different. And so I wanted to have Shelly come on because she has such a heartbreaking story of losing her son and then coming through to the other side. And I just wanted her to share her story on grief. And I hope that it helps you. I hope that it shows you that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and whatever you may be going through. I hope that you find hope in this story. So, um, I just wanted her to come on and share with us and um, hear her journey. And, you know, I don't know what you need to hear today, but I hope that um, you hear it in this episode and that it touches you and um, you feel inspired or hopeful at the end of the show. Welcome back to my favorite things segment. So you guys, I'm going to talk about Enneagram because I know so many of you love it. And I know that I have new listeners on the show. And so I want to mention that um, if you have not heard my episodes that I did with Beth McCord, she is the Enneagram coach. Um, you can check out episodes 90, 91, 92, and 130. And you can take her free quiz um, to find out your numbers. Um, but today I really wanted to focus on Enneagram coaching. With everything being all upside down with COVID and stuff like that, if you feel like you have the heart to coach people and you really want to help them and you absolutely love Enneagram, then I highly recommend you checking into Beth McCord's 12-week coaching program. Um, I think that with today and what's going on, we need coaches more than ever. I feel like people are losing their jobs. People are feeling like they don't know what direction to go in. They just feel like they need help. They need, you know, inspiration. They need encouragement. And I feel like this is the time that coaches would do really, really well. So if you've been sitting on the fence thinking about this and thinking, you know what, I kind of want to dip my foot into coaching. And you know what, though, I really love 
Enneagram, this could be a great niche for you. So I just wanted to mention this to you um, because it is a 12-week program. And what is awesome is she has a quiz you can take and it only takes five minutes. So make sure to head over there. Um, I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. So um, if you subscribe to the Mom Inspired Show, um, it will be in your inbox every week. You don't have to go searching for it. But if you haven't subscribed, make sure you go to mominspiredshow.com enter your name and email. And then that way you're going to get all the episodes every week. And then my favorite thing segments right there. Um, so it will be at your fingertips um, every week. You don't have to go searching for it. Um, but again, I do think that um, if this has been on your heart, I definitely would check it out. Um, I know she has a payment plan that you can um, do that you don't have to pay it all up front. Um, and I will jump back to if you haven't done any of her courses, um, I highly recommend discovering you and exploring you course. And there is one for couples. Um, so you can do that one. It's called Becoming Us Course. Um, So if you feel like you haven't been able to connect with your husband lately or whatever, just because of COVID, this could be a fun thing to do. Um, So that all that stuff is going to be in the show notes. I will put all the links to everything I just said. Um, But I really wanted to focus on the coaching um, because I just think that uh, we really need some great coaches right now and to help us. You know what I mean? A lot of people are just changing gears and needing direction and um, we need some good quality coaches. All right, you guys, let's go to the show. Shelly, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I like to start off every show with an icebreaker on travel. And since I am a travel agent, um, I just like asking my guests what their favorite vacation spot is and why. And this can be with or without kids. Okay. Well, this was with and without kids. Uh, okay. My favorite my favorite vacation was um, without my eldest son. He had already passed at the time when we went to Bali. Mm. And um, we had him there in spirit. He made himself Aww. known um, in a lot of ways. We have some miraculous stories from that trip. But I had the other two boys um, with us and uh, several friends. And the people there are just magical, generous of spirit, so lovely and gracious. And we just found it, um, as my elder son did, he went first um, the year before we went. And just uh, a magical experience, Um, his Mecca, really, on Earth. So that's why we went and we followed in his footsteps and did a lot of the things he did, saw the places he saw that's and awesome. um, connected with him. So that's my favorite vacation. Aww, I love it. So um, my dad is Indonesian. So um, oh. we've been, when I was really young, I don't remember. Um, so I would love to go um, take my girls. It's a hike, as you know. And so um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think the girls will have to be a little bit older, but it is on my list to go to Bali and uh, just go uh, where my, my dad was born there, but, but he's Dutch Indonesian. The Dutch had taken over and then he moved to Holland and then Holland to California and so on. Uh-huh. So yeah, he's a car designer. So um, okay. yeah, so um, I have a special place for Indonesia. So that's cool that you mentioned that. Um, I yeah. love that story. 
So I wanted wanted to ask you, um, how about you share with us um, a little bit more about, you just shared a little bit about your family, but um, share with us your first and last name, where you live, how many kids you have, and and their ages. Okay. Uh, My name is Shelley Buck. I live in La Cunada, California, which is near Pasadena. It's a small community. Um, I have three boys. One has been deceased for almost seven years, and he would be 30 this year. Mm. Uh, I have one who is almost 27 and one who is 23. The 23-year-old is still in school. Um, He's got one semester left down in Orange County studying comedy writing. Mm. The middle one, the middle one is back home because Broadway's closed and he's in musical theater. So he's spending an indeterminate amount of time with us here in California while things get rolling again in New yeah. York. Yeah. But normally he lives in New York is what you're saying. Yes, time. he's okay. from New York now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, that kind of leads me into starting this conversation of how you got started. And um, I love that your boys like do those fun, creative jobs. So um, how about you share with us, you know, how you got to where you are today. Um, but how about you share with the listeners um, your um, life in Disney and and how, you know, that connects with your husband and everything like that. Okay, well, I started, my whole trip to Disney started when I was very, very young. I knew when I was a child that I wanted to work there. But when I was 10, Walt Disney died. And my first thought was, what's going to happen to the studio? And my next thought was, now I'm never going to meet him. So Mm. I had the intent as a 10-year-old to come from the Midwest to California and work at Disney Studios and I made that dream come true when I was 25 wow. and had, had had my first job in Chicago as an art director and uh, made my way out to California by myself. And there I met my future husband who worked in animation and I was an assistant director and he was an animator. And um, we kind of went from there. We got married. We started having children. Um, I took time off to be their mom and that served us really well because I don't feel like I've missed anything. And so what what would you say is one of your um, big projects that you loved working on when you were working? Oh, well, let's see. Um, after, after Disney, I went into sound editing and I worked uh-huh. on things like Hunt for Red October. Um, oh, I should be able to go down my IMDb list. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I threw you off there for a minute. Well, you know yeah. what? Okay, let's let's talk about something fun that your husband uh, worked on. How about you share with oh. listeners what he did? This oh will my be gosh. fun for them. Yes. Well, he started his directing on Tarzan for Disney, mm. then left and did Surf's Up, which has become a cult classic, but not a lot of people knew about it. That was from Sony. Mm. And then he got a big break and... um and started working on Frozen. And he co-directed Frozen and Frozen 2. So we've had um, an 11-year Frozen ride wow. with these characters <laughs> as part of our lives. Yeah. And, uh, and that's been, um, that's defined our lives for the last 11 years. Um, Ryder passed exactly one month before Frozen, the first Frozen was yes. um, released. So we were on such a roller coaster with mm. the success of the film and the yeah. grief 
wow. of rite of passing. It was um, it was surreal, and even more so for my husband, who had to do the press and go to the parties, and you know be congratulated and consoled in the same conversation. Um, he said it was really a uh, really a tough ride. Yeah, I can't even imagine. And you know the the movie was so successful too. And so um, to just have, you know, um, two experiences on each end of the spectrum. And um, I, I can't even imagine how challenging that was for him. Um, my story with Frozen is that um, the first one, I was pregnant with my second child. So I knew we were going to have another girl. So they're going to be sisters. So that was yeah. really fun to go see that with my uh, three-year-old at the time and then being pregnant. And then recently we um, were at the beach for Thanksgiving and we saw Frozen 2 as a family. And then, of course, now my youngest was able to be there and go to the movies and see Frozen in the theaters versus just on DVD when she was old enough um, with the first one. So um, I have really fond memories of that movie. And it's just, it's just, they're just great movies. And my, my youngest loves to sing all the songs to it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of the songs in frozen two was actually inspired partly by my son, Ryder, the one who passed, um, the next right thing. Oh Uh, yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful song, um, about losing someone and picking yourself up and Mm. doing the next right thing. Um, and, uh, they also named a character in the film after him. So, uh, they had a character who kind of embodied his spirit, really chill and laid back and romantic. And, uh, yeah, that. that, that shows up in, um, in a Disney, um, Disney plus show, the making of frozen two. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, there's a segment on Ryder himself in the in the third episode. And then uh, they talk about his influence. And that's really nice. Yeah, yeah, that's that's such a great story. Um, So we'll move on. Um, I mean, we could talk Uh about Frozen for a long time, Um, (laughs) especially being in a girl house like me. Um, Yeah. um, How about you share with us um, the book that you wrote and about your son, Ryder, and then we'll kind of jump into more of that. Okay, well, um, Ryder was always a special character. I mean, he was, uh, as he grew older, he was exasperating and inspiring. But when he was young, <laughs> young, he was um, kind of an old soul, really intuitive. Um, and not what I expected when I had a son. I expected a little tornado. And I got this calm, um, insightful, uh, self-contained little guy. And he grew up into exactly that calm, self-contained. He was, um, you know, busied himself with his dinosaurs when he was young. And when he grew older, he was obsessive about his guitar. Mm -hmm. And um, so he launched a band and he's got um, three albums out that we produced posthumously. some of them he sings on it. Some of them, it's just his music and his band sings and his brothers sing his parts. Um, uh, what else do you want to know about Ryder? The Cancer Journey? Yeah. So what? So how about you walk us through um, what made you write the book? So we'll, we can start with, um, you know, he was diagnosed with cancer. So how about you share with us um, what that looked like for you, that journey? Okay. Well, I started journaling the minute he was... Um, 
he was diagnosed. I was turned on to a, a site called Caring Bridge, yep. which is um, well known to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And um, I kept a journal there for several years through his cancer journey and then after his passing, because we only had about six months between the end of his cancer, where he was declared a survivor and um, clear, and then his passing, which was um just six months later. Uh, and I kept that journal beyond for years beyond his passing because mm-hmm. I felt the writing was so um, healing for me and cathartic. And it did keep people up to speed on where I was when I needed someone to reach out and when I was just musing about the process of it. Um so that became the launching pad for the book. It was really the bones of the book. People kept saying, you've got to put this into a book. You've really got to write, Shelley. And so um, with prompting from Ryder from the other side, he said, Mom, write my story. Mm. And it was a message I got through a friend who got messages from him pretty regularly. And um, so that was the, the catalyst that made me to really launch into it. Wow, that is really fascinating. Um, I was going to ask you, how old was he when he got diagnosed? He was 22 when he was diagnosed and um, just launching into his his own, into adulthood. He had finally found a music school um, that that could support his passion. And, um, and he was going into, I think he had one year left and... Uh, he was planning to start up again the fall um, of his when he was 22, and that was when he was diagnosed. So he took a year off for um, the cancer treatment. And in between treatments, he was off and running. The minute mm. he could get off the couch, he was out doing Aww. gigs, hiking up to the mountaintops. Um, going down to the beach and having beach jams. And he did all this while he was going through treatment, which was remarkable to me and sometimes confounding because he would go places where I would worry, you know, hiking, there were snakes and the beach, there were germs and sharks. And, you know, (laughs) there were all sorts of things to keep me um, wanting to tether him to the couch and he really needed to live life and live it his own way and live every day as much as he possibly could because he's facing his own mortality as a very young man. Um, so that was a struggle. That was a push me, pull you parenting to child. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you, so how long was that process of um, his cancer journey? Uh, it was nine months. Um, he, he would have one week in the hospital and two weeks off. And then we had a break. We had a respite around the holidays when they said, you know, he looked good and they thought it might be over. And then he went, we, we had another test from our internist that showed his markers were up again. And we went directly back into treatment right after the holidays. And he had four more rounds, which took us until May, I think. So how, what would you say that you learned during that process, especially as a mother, um, just dealing with your own emotions and all that kind of stuff, right? But then also trying to give him space. You know, if someone was listening to this and they found themselves in a similar situation, 
What do you wish that you would have known, um, you know, that you know now? Well, what I learned and what I was really the hardest for me, and this applies to, you know, cancer or any sure. journey of yep. a of a young person growing into adulthood, they need to they need a long leash. And when you're faced with something as intense and um, serious as a life threatening disease, it's really counterintuitive for the mother to let mm. go. Yeah. And what he needed more than anything was to not be prodded and poked and hovered over. That was what the staff was for at the hospital. Right. He needed he needed to be a man, as the doctor said. Oh. And um, so I had to let him make his own decisions, hence the trips camping and to Dodger right. Stadium and <laughs> up the coast and uh, concerts and so on. When he was feeling well enough, he needed to be allowed not just a long leash, but no leash. Yes. And yeah. um, that was a tough one for me to wrap my head around. But it it was, I got constant reminders from Ryder and from the doctors that <laughs> this was what, this yeah. was what he really needed in order to grow. And he, and he grew so um, substantially during this time, because again, facing his own mortality and already being into a spiritual search, he really, um, he grew exponentially, um, in his maturity and his spiritual growth, um, and his sense of his place in the world. Mm. Um, it was remarkable, but he had to be let go to allow him to do that. So that's the thing I would I would give any parent of a child this age is that, you know, loosening the leash is is the most important thing you can do. And it's so counterintuitive because we've cared for them so um, completely and intensely their whole lives. And what they need now is to is to be let fly. Right. You know, to be launched. And yeah. I, of course, had two other children to pay attention to, which stretched me to my limits. I bet. Um, yeah. But that was that was another challenge in a whole nother way because they each needed something different. Yeah. I was thinking just about the cancer in itself. Is there anything that you have done or that you do differently now um, just in regards to cancer? You know, um, we think about like all the toxins and all the stuff in the food, right? Then they always say like to be careful, all of these things. And it, it can be very overwhelming to try to remove so much stuff out of our lives. Um, is there something that stands out to you that you um, could share with us that you're glad that you kind of changed a certain way of your life and um, because of this journey? Well, we became very mindful of um, the sprays that went in the yard and the cleansers we used in the house and the kind of water we drank. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, juicing became an everyday event. And, you know, the spinach and the blueberries and the ginger and all the goodies mm -hmm. that we could come up with through yeah. the books and the research I was doing online while I was sitting in his hospital room every day, um, we implemented and did as much as we possibly could. I think a lot of it was overkill and unnecessary. Mm -hmm. um, we fed him the very best way we could for cancer. I did a lot of research and he would come in with 
junk food from the drive through <laughs> you know, so yeah. I, I was trying, but, right. you know, again, he had to do it his own way. Sure. I'm curious, though, with so younger kids, right, like ones that you could can control a little bit, they're eating, they're not driving and stuff like that. Um, would you switch up some things, um, knowing what you know now without um, like being on overkill? Um, like, would you probably still do juicing, you know, here and there, just not every day? Or what is your thoughts on that? Oh, well, their diet was really um, was really specific. And I and I I was at loggerheads with the staff at the hospital about this because they just wanted to get calories in him. They didn't care wow, how. Oh, gotcha. And, um, you know, a cupcake to them was as good as the steak. Oh. And right. And interesting. So, yeah, that that's I think that's for much older people who don't yeah. want to eat. And yeah. for young people, when you can feed them what's best for them. And they'll take it because they're hungry and mommy's yeah. feeding it to them. <laughs> um, the research is worth it. You know, yeah. sugar is sugar is not a good thing for cancer. Yes. Um, and so uh, so we did as much fresh fruits and vegetables as we possibly could. The doctor Ryder wanted to become a vegetarian towards the end of his treatment. Oh. And the doctor said, absolutely not. Now, vegetarians would argue that you can get your protein, mm -hmm. but that was a whole nother research project for me that I wasn't ready to take on. Right. Um, you know, the doctor said, eat steak. So interesting. Right. Um, and that was for a, an adult, right. you know, and yep. But, um, yeah, that it was the diet that was, that was most of it. And we kept the house clean, but yeah. you know, it's hard to do it all. Kids. Yeah. It's it hard is. to do all the stuff and it gets so expensive on a lot of things. And so you really have to kind of just figure out which one do you want to, you know, pay the most money to be able to get certain things. I am curious about the water that you chose. Um, what, what did you start drinking when you switched your water? Well, uh, people brought us special water that I don't know. Um, I don't know where they got it. I don't know what research they did, but they brought us this special water. And it was a lovely gesture. But we had, um, again, a house full of people yep. to to keep watered. And we had <laughs> um, we have a, we have a filter uh, yeah. system. Um yep that takes out all the chlorine and yes, all the yep. stuff you don't want in mm -hmm. your water. So for drinking, we have a special, uh, special, um, spigot that, that Does carries that. The, the filtered water. So that was what we, we went to. Yeah. Yeah. We have that too here in Nashville, the chlorine level is really high. And when we first moved mm -hmm. here from Michigan, I was taking a shower and I just felt like I was in a swimming pool. And so we've mm -hmm. had a whole house filter on to cut that down. Uh, but I know a lot of people do um, osmosis water and all that kind of stuff. So I, that's why I was just wondering if that's the way you went. But it's you're talking about a completely different kind of water that people brought you. Right. Yeah. Okay, it, gotcha. was, it was, yeah, blessed and special. And I see. I don't okay. Know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for your everyday drinking, you're, you're doing like a filtered water and to kind of cut right. out those main things. Gotcha. Um, right. Okay. So we... You know, we've walked through the journey a little bit of his cancer journey and that being nine months. And then um, what the listeners don't realize um, is that, you know, he ended up passing away, but not from cancer. So um, can you just walk us through um, what ended up happening from the time that he was declared cancer free and then 
him passing away. Okay. Well, um, it was towards the end of May, I think, that he was declared cancer-free or early June. And um, we went to a celebratory thing for survivors down at the hospital mm. and then moved right straight back into life. He yeah. had his he had his performances. He had his gigs. We were going to his brother's plays. Um, and then that summer, he found a music a study abroad music program in Bali. And he wanted to go so desperately. And I, again, let go and let him lead because it seemed like the thing he really, really needed was to get away, reinvent himself, immerse himself in a new culture, one where he wasn't the cancer boy and and study music. So he went for a month to Bali And if I had known, I think about this a lot, if I had known I was going to lose him within a few months, sorry. That's okay. Would I have allowed him to go? And Um, I think um, it was the best thing for him. And, you know, at the time, and even in hindsight, um, so he went to Bali for a, a month and then came back and was going to start school again. Um, I think he did start back to school and, um, then he, his car broke down Mm. on the freeway in the middle of the night and it was foggy, thick, thick fog, and there was no light anywhere. And he was walking home on the side of the freeway and two cars hit him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Not so even just one, was, two. So they two is, was it simultaneously that they just collided together? No, the the cars were racing each other. <gasps> so in the they fog, were in the fog, going. Oh. They estimated about seventy miles an hour, seventy five oh miles gosh. an hour, and he was just gone. Wow! And he had all these plans. He had just mm. been to. Oh, he's, he's just, he was living life to the right. fullest. Yeah. He was recording for his first album. He was, he, the week before he passed, he met um, his favorite band, mm. Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. And I talk about them a lot in the book because mm. they lifted him up Aww. all the way through his cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. And then he got to meet and jam with them and they came and played at his service, um, which is just still remarkable to me. That's so sweet. Yeah. So. Yeah. So here you, so here you're excited that, you know, he's cancer free and, you know, he's going to live his life and um, start fresh and stuff like that. And then a freak accident happens, which I don't even know how your mind can even wrap around that, especially as a parent that you get through this journey to then have this happen what advice would you give to moms that, you know, might be grieving uh, for different things and feeling like there's never going to be a light at the end of the tunnel? Um, how did you get through this? Well, at first I wanted to die. And yeah. I looked mm-hmm. at my other two children and realized that I had a reason to live. Mm-hmm. And um, that was, you know, that was a hard part. And it, sure. and it lasted for a while. And then very soon I started to connect with Ryder just through his music, Mm -hmm. through the videos that I had 
you know, relentlessly taken of all of his gigs. And I sat down in front of the computer and immersed myself in his world, which Mm -hmm. helped me. Other people in my family couldn't listen to his music, couldn't watch him. Right. You know, could barely stand all the pictures I had hanging of him. Um, But we are all different and everybody needs something different. My husband needed solitude and I needed people around me. Mm. Um, So we had different needs and we went about it differently. And uh, uh, what was the rest of your question? I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I just, you know, what advice would you give to people that are grieving and feel like there's just not, it just feels like there's never going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Well, um, there is. And, and finding that light is the, is the project. Mm. Um, I found it through connecting with Ryder and finding that there was a new relationship that we could have across the veil mm. of death. Yeah. And that um, has made all the difference. Really, he came to me in dreams, or I would just connect with him through his music and my memories of him. Um, and the the grief started, the writing also really helped, um, because I could write out my feelings and um, and organize them and progress through the, the despair. Right. And, um, it, I mean, it took years. Yeah. Um, and I think this book is a culmination of all of that effort. Um, and it really, I do feel like I've come around a corner, mm. not that you have to write a book, but right. journaling Journaling is a good thing. Yeah. And any any creative endeavor, I also make jewelry, but um, uh, any creative endeavor is a healing process. And so, you know, whether it's gardening or mm. painting or writing or, you know, sewing clothes, whatever, it, it's meditative and it gives your body and your mind and your spirit a chance to heal. Um, so that is something I, I highly recommend in whatever form it takes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask you, um, how did you, how did you manage, you know, mothering your other two sons, you know, during this time? I mean, um, I, I can't even imagine how much you probably just wanted to completely check out. And I'm sure there were times that you, you did, but how did you find yourself able to kind of, you know, get up and do what you need to do to be a mom to two other boys? Well, in the beginning, it was really hard. Just getting out of bed in the morning was was a stumbling block I could barely manage. But because their needs were so present, now I had one away at college and the other one was still a teenager in high school. And um, he had immediate needs. He had a life that he needed to live that didn't mm. include being the guy whose brother died. Yeah. So I had to work at keeping his life as normal as possible. Mm. And they pulled me back into life, the two of them, mm. because I I had to be there for them in whatever ways they needed me. Um, and I we talked about Ryder a lot. I kept my my grief and my process open and on the surface mm. and 
we continued, his band continued to do gigs with his youngest brother singing his parts. God bless him. Yeah, that was, that was a tough one because he didn't, he had his own struggles with that, but he did it and, and it brought me joy Mm. and, um, it, it was, it was confounding for him, but he, he pulled through. Wow. Um, so Shelly, we're at the end of the show and I just, you know, I wanted to ask you if you like what your thoughts are on, um, I know that it's mentioned that you talk about this, I think in your book of letting your, um, kids be who they were meant to be. Can you share a little bit more, um, about that, um, as we end the show? Sure. Um, they, each of my boys were completely different. The last one turned out to be the storm I expected in the first one. <laughs> um, the middle one was just a magical child from the get go acting and, and, um, singing and, uh, Ryder found his music later in life and mm. late in high school. Um, but I thought it was, it was magical to watch them Mm. find their way and find their passion. And I had to honor that because it had been honored in my life. I wanted Mm. to be an artist and that was what I was going to be. And I was going to work at Disney. And, uh, you know, I had the encouragement that I needed to make my dreams come true. And so, oh, you know, as they changed, we watched the boys' dreams um, begin to come to fruition and for that, um, we could only be all on board because what they were finding was their own bliss. So we just supported it. Mm. Now, with the other two boys, you were saying they kind of knew it younger, especially the middle one. Like, did you know that he just wanted to go into singing and all that and acting and stuff like that from such a young age? Yeah, when he was four years old, he did his first um, dance performance, and we gave him flowers afterwards, and he (laughs) struck a pose, and he said, I love my work. And I went, you're four years old. Where is this coming from? But he was on his path from the very beginning. The youngest one was uh, a stitch coming up. I mean, he was the class clown, Mm. and and he's writing for TV comedy now. That's cool. in classes. Yeah. And Ryder was always um, very musical and mm. really listened. And you could see he was really paying attention, but it took him a long time to pick up an instrument. Wow. Uh, yeah. So that is interesting. Is there anything that you would, uh, you know, um, suggest to us in regards to helping your kids find, um, their path, like, because maybe, maybe, you know, some kids are not as obvious, kind of like what sound like with Ryder, it wasn't as obvious as the other two. Um, so, you know, having the three boys and kind of seeing their paths, um, what would you suggest to the moms that, you know, they're trying to help them, their kids find that thing, um, you know, and helping them to, you know, figure out which path they want to take. Because sometimes I think, so my youngest, she loves dancing and all that. And it is very clear that like she is musically inclined and all that stuff. Um, and so to me, I'm like, okay, I need to get her in dance um, classes and all that kind of stuff. And she may want to um, act. I have no idea. I don't know that yet. So, um, so right. it's, so those kind of things, she just, she's sick. So, um, you know, trying to put them on the right path, you know, without forcing them, 
Um, and then if some don't have obvious talents or you can't tell like what they're gifted in yet, what is your thoughts on that? Well, we offered a lot of things. We offered mm. soccer. We offered okay. baseball. We offered water polo was absolutely required in our family because by the time the kids got to junior high and high school, they needed an outlet for the testosterone. And I wasn't going to have them. <laughs> I wasn't going to have them on the football field. No, no yes. offense to anybody whose yeah. kids are playing football, but yeah. mine were big and I could see them on the front line. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and they the were swimmers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Swimmers mm-hmm. from the get go. So we just put them in the pool. Water but other polo. than yes. that, um, <laughs> I would say listen to your child mm-hmm. and their 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 dreams and their interests will change and they just need to be supported. Mm-hmm. Ryder drew for the first part of his life and I thought, oh, he's going to be an artist like his dad. Yeah. Then he put it down and I oh. heard, you know, that they will stop drawing around age eight when they start to be judgmental. Oh. And so things change around that age. And um and I just listen to your child, watch what they are gravitate towards. I mean, puzzle makers might become mathematicians. Yeah. Um yeah. so Yeah, that uh, is interesting. My girls are good at puzzles. And yeah. um and it's interesting you say about the drawing. My my uh, oldest is nine and she does love to draw. So she hasn't stopped with turning oh, eight, right. but, but that's good for me to pay attention to now that you say that. And she already is a perfectionist as a young child. She would ball it up and throw it away. And I would be like, Whoa, like I actually have to work with her on letting go of being perfect where uh-huh. some parents might have to be like with their kids, like, okay, don't just give up. Like with her, right. I have to be like, it's okay that you marked it like that. It can still look amazing. And so, um, and she has been like that since she was young. <laughs> so she's right. been, she's been judgmental on herself for a very long time. Um, but, uh, sometimes they you just are who they are. Yes, you know? yes. And sometimes I don't know, like if you should keep pushing them, like, so with the drawing, for example, with Ryder and he stopped, do you wish you would have kept nudging him or like, is that something where you just kind of go, okay, they're moving on to something different. In our case, it was, they're moving on to something different Um, because he was surrounded by artists. He was being raised in an animation world um, where drawing and all of the um, materials you would, could possibly want were at his fingertips. Yeah. Um, He just, um, he just moved on. Yeah. And, and uh, we, we just honored the new thing. Yeah. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, that's that is that's interesting. The, the best I could do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm by no means an expert, but that's the yeah. best I could do. I do like asking moms with older kids, you know, because they have gone through things and seen it and stuff like that. So I appreciate uh-huh. that. <laughs> um, well, anyway, Shelly, we're at the end of the show. I appreciate uh-huh. you sharing your story and um, and just kind of sharing your journey and all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, the reason I wanted you to come on, because I know right now during this pandemic, that life is really hard right now for a lot of people for whatever reasons. And people are grieving again for different, different reasons. And, um, I just, you know, wanted to have someone come on the show that has gone through a really hard time and, um, has seen the light at the end of the tunnel to share about it and hopefully inspire moms to, you know, that there is hope, you know, and, um, and not to give up. So I, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. And, um, a short plug for the book, which yeah, is called yes. "Called Leave Your Light On," 
um, the musical mantra left behind by an illuminating spirit. And that was my son, Ryder. And um, that was his mantra. That was the first song he ever wrote, Leave Your Light On. So that's the name of the book. I love it. And, and it's kind of a an example of how that happens in several different lives. His life, my life with him through mm. cancer, and then my life after he passed. Yeah. And finding that light, and it's there for everybody. And that's what really kept me going. So thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. And I'll put that in the show notes so that everybody can check it out. So thanks again for coming on the show. All right. Thank you. Hey, you guys, have you subscribed to the Mom Inspired Show email list yet? If you want to have discounts sent to your email and links to the books we discuss on the show, as well as all the guests' information, then you will want to subscribe. That way, every episode will show up in your inbox every Tuesday, and you won't have to go searching for the newest episode. It will be right at your fingertips. So just go to mominspiredshow.com and scroll down and enter your name and email, and you will be all set. See you next week.